You're listening to Season 8, Episode Number 3 of Strike the Match. In this episode, I continue the discussion, Theology of Mission, addressing the topic, Mission in Torah. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. And once again, welcome listeners to Strike the Match. Uh, Thank you so much for those of you that are returning. And uh, for those of you that are joining us here on the podcast for the first time ever, welcome. I am so honored that you are checking out uh, this podcast. You are jumping in at an exciting time. Uh, Season 8 is dedicated to the topic of theology of mission. And so the the running theme across this season is on that particular issue. And so I'm glad you are jumping in at this time. I've been wanting to do this for some time. Most of the, uh, well, I won't say most, I'll say all, all of the seasons that I've done prior to season eight uh, have been on a variety of topics. I've had a variety of guests on the program. And so if you haven't had a chance to check those out, new listener, please do so. Oh, by the way, that brings up another point that I wanted to mention to you all. If you're not a subscriber to this podcast, let me encourage you to do that. If you have the opportunity to do it right now, uh, just take a second and go ahead and and subscribe. I know that uh, there are many of you that listen to this uh, podcast as you are on your commute or during your daily uh, workout routine. So uh, whenever you get a chance... And it's safe, and it's not interfering with your reps. Uh, Take a moment to subscribe. Hey, also, I would certainly appreciate it if you would rate us. uh, Give us a rating uh, on various outlets that are out there. That always means a great deal as well. Today, we're going to continue in the discussion of Theology of Mission, looking at the topic of mission in Torah. Now, what I'm doing throughout this eighth season is walking you through uh, my uh, recent book, Theology of Mission, A Concise Biblical Theology. And so I'm hitting some of the highlights, some of the high points of this book, but I would encourage you uh, to take uh, take a look at this book. If you don't have a copy, uh, please uh, consider uh, ordering a copy, and I would encourage you to, to even read along. Uh, to even read along uh, during these episodes uh, before you listen or even after you listen. Uh, but anyhow, if you want to find out more information, more details on what I'm addressing, uh, including uh, many of the uh, authors that I reference and resources that I cite as I talk about these various uh, topics related to biblical theology, uh, you'll find that information there in the book, Theology of Mission. just came out uh, a few months ago. Um, hey, another thing. Uh, here's, this is my last announcement. So another thing. Um, so I continue in my uh, YouTube channel, and it is something that is different than what I post here on my podcast episode. Uh, for the past two years, I've been experimenting with, uh, with video. And um, let me encourage you to jump over to my YouTube channel and check that out and uh, see what you think. Uh, it, it, for me, again, it's, it's, a, it's a moment of evaluation, praying through this process and just asking the question, is this what the Lord wants me to do to help uh, the body of Christ, uh, both um, in my country and throughout the world? And if uh, the resources that are there, the uh, videos that are there are of benefit and help to you, which I hope they are, um, let me know. Uh, post a comment, give us a liking, shoot me an email, 
say something. Um, again, uh, kind of in the evaluation mode, the uh, testing phase, if you will. And I know two years has been some time, but uh, yeah, I'm just I'm still wrestling through it. I enjoy doing it, but um, you know, it takes a lot of time. And of course, I don't get paid for that or for this podcast or uh, any of the things I do uh, out there on my blog. And so just asking the question about, you know, the stewardship of my time and resources and things of that nature is, uh, is related to that channel. So um, still thinking and pondering and praying through that process over there on the YouTube channel. So check that out. All you have to do is just go to YouTube and just search for J.D. Payne and, and you'll find it there. There is, um, I will say this, there is an old account that is there uh, that is uh, a Strike the Match account. Uh, where just a few of the podcast episodes were were uploaded, just the audio files. Um, don't pay attention to that. Um, that is unrelated, and uh, and so if you see that, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you if you just search for JD Payne, you'll you'll see my smiley face uh, on the website there, and there are the videos that I have there as well. So that brings us to our topic of the day: mission in Torah. Mission in Torah. Now, here's the thing, and that is, we often forget, living on this side of the cross, we often forget that the foundation, the foundation of the Great Commission, the foundation of the apostolic work in the first century, the, the, the foundation of the apostolic imagination actually comes from Torah. It's found in the Old Testament. We're so quick. We're so quick to jump to the New Testament for uh, those uh, foundational elements of our global disciple-making activities that we we miss so much. And so Torah is so important in this process. And so the basis of the first-century church of her mission is found in the Old Testament beginning with Torah, beginning with the first five books of the Old Testament. We cannot, cannot overlook that. So whenever we look at these first five books, the Pentateuch develops the sub-theme of God's image bearers filling the world. And we talked about that you know, in previous episodes. Now, while the majority of the world wanders away from his relationship and blessings, the particularity there's that vocabulary word from previous episode. The particularity of God's mission is developed with the story that traces a godly line of Adam through Seth to Noah and then to Abraham and Israel. The people of God enter into relationship with him and they experience his blessings by faith. Now, throughout these five books, God's glory among the nations... God's glory among the nations comes through three particular means. So whenever we're looking at Torah, whenever we're looking at these five books of the Old Testament, what are the three particular means that we see by which God is working to glorify himself by seeing his image bearers, praising him, filling planet Earth? And here are the three particular means. God is working in Torah through a person, and that person is going to be Abraham. He's working in Torah to carry out his mission through a people, and that people is considered Israel. And he's working in Torah to carry out his mission to bless the nations through a place, and that place is the tabernacle. All right? So those are the three big 
concepts that we will address, we will touch on as we think about mission and Torah. Now, there are all kinds of things that we can go into related to this topic, but as we have just a brief amount of time together in our episodes, and the uh, five books of the Old Testament cover a a very uh, substantial piece of literary geography in uh, our Bibles, we're going to touch on those three things, and trying to keep those three things in mind is very important to understanding the mission of God in the first five books of the Old Testament. Now, before we can get to those three things, that God is working to bless the nations through through a person, through a people, and through a place, we first of all have to back up, and we have to look at the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. And so, whenever we do that, we begin in chapter 1, and we're introduced to the fact that on the sixth day, God created man and woman in his own image, all right? So, they're image bearers. And in verse 28 of chapter 1, immediately after the creation of man and woman, he gives them, he gives them what I believe is a revelation of his mission, of, of his plan, of his work, and that is, he says to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. So so from the very beginning, prior to the fall, now we're also going to see that command repeated after the fall. We'll come to that in just a second. But before the fall, we find that God's plan from the beginning, he is telling his image bearers that he desires to have the earth filled with them, enjoying relationship with him and enjoying blessings from him and glorifying him all across planet earth. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I was a kid growing up, one, I never heard that taught like that. And and so I just had this concept that uh, the Garden of Eden was, was that geographical place where they were just to stay put. And, and it never dawned on me, it never dawned on me that God told them to fill, multiply, and fill the earth. And it never dawned on me, how in the world is that going to happen? You know, if they're staying in this same little geographical plot of land, um, you know, what are they going to begin to do, do over time? I mean, they're going to be standing on top of each other's shoulders because they're, they're going to they're gonna fill this little, little area. But what we see from the very beginning, and don't miss this either, is that migration has always been a significant part of God's plan to bless the nations. Migration, moving across the planet. Now, I know that you've heard me talk about this on other episodes and that I wrote about this in my book, Strangers Next Door, and you've uh, read a great deal about uh, what I've had to say on this topic of migration and mission on on my blog. So I'm not going to go into it, but I just want to leave it out there and help us to understand that a part of the mission of God from the beginning is related to the movement of image bearers glorifying him, filling the planet that he created. Um, One of the things that's uh, very interesting is that uh, G.K. Beale, G.K. Beale in his uh, excellent book, The Temple and the Church's Mission, he refers to this passage in Genesis 1.28 as the first great commission. Now, I do not like that language that he uses there, and I think the terminology is very unusual, 
But his point, I think his point is clear. So listen to what Bill says about this passage in Genesis 1.28. He says the commission was to bless the earth, and part of the essence of this blessing was God's salvific presence. Before the fall, Adam and Eve were to produce progeny who would fill the earth with God's glory being reflected from each of them in the image of God. And after the fall, a remnant created by God in his restored image were to go out and spread God's glorious presence among the rest of darkened humanity. This witness was to continue until the entire world would be filled with divine glory. End quote. Uh, Bill's got a great point. I, I think he's got a great insight there in, 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 God's, in God's work, in, in his mission. So as God's image bearers procreated and migrated, the uninhabited planet would be filled with people delighting in God and his blessings. Now, later, centuries later, and we'll see this whenever we get into the section of the, um, the Tanakh known as Prophets, Isaiah, in Isaiah 45, verse 18, will pick up on this, and he will say that the earth was formed to be inhabited, that God created the earth, that it would be filled with, with his, his creation. And so people were to bring glory to God through, through their fellowship with him as they spread across the created order. In other words, another way to think about this, the entire earth, the entire earth was designed to be a planetary temple filled with God's glory. And I think we see elements of that in Numbers chapter 14 and Psalm 72 and Isaiah chapter 6, verse, uh, verse number 3. But we know, we know from the story that things change very quickly. So as we move out of chapter 1, we come into chapter 3 and we find the fall. We find that um, after the fall, God shows back up in the garden. Now again, Again, don't miss this. Part of, as I talked about, the pattern of purpose in the previous episodes in this season, the pattern of purpose that God is seen here with that pattern of purpose in play again. In other words, he sends himself into his created order, and he proclaims a message of hope, but it's a message of hope through judgment. And through those who respond... By faith, they enter into relationship with their Creator, even though sin is now present. He blesses them, His face shines upon them, and He calls them to live out His ethic. That pattern that I talked about in previous episodes, we, we see that already here in, in the first three chapters of Genesis, that the apostolic God shows up in the garden. He shows up in the garden prior to the fall. He shows up in the garden after the fall. Now, what's interesting is that after Adam and Eve sin. They hide themselves in the garden. Now, when you read that text, don't miss this. It's not that they're shocked when they hear God walking in the cool of the day in the garden, and he calls out to them. It's not that they're shocked because, hey, this has never happened before, but the, the, the narrative gives the impression that this was a regular occurrence. The thing that shocked them was that their eyes had been opened. They knew that they had sinned against God. They were naked, and they were afraid of him. But whenever he comes to them, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we have this first announcement of the good news showing up very early. There's the promise of a, of a descendant of Eve, the promise of the seed of the woman who will crush the head of this serpent. 
And so this first announcement of the good news shows up very early in the biblical narrative here in Torah. Now, we don't know what that's going to look like. We have no idea what that's going to uh, how it's going to manifest itself in the biblical storyline. We have to continue. And if we're reading it, then we're going to probably be quick to think, okay, well, maybe, maybe the, the first child, maybe the first child of Adam and Eve, that will be the one who will crush the head of the serpent, will overthrow all of this that has brought uh, harm and evil into the created order. But what we find out is that the first child does not crush the head of the serpent, but he ends up crushing the head of his brother. And we find out that over the generations, this phrase continues to repeat itself, and he died, and he died, and he died. This person was born, and he died. This person lived these years, and he died. And so, you know, we, we begin to quickly realize, well, wait a minute, where is this serpent crusher, so to speak? And so we have to continue to read. How is God going to carry out his mission? And so we continue to follow the Genesis account, the storyline. And then we come to Noah, and of course we know the story of Noah and the flood and the destruction of all living things on land, and then when Noah and his family come out of the ark, you know, we may be asking the, ourselves the question, hey, so does that mean that um, now that God has reset everything uh, to a time of another single family, um, does this mean that righteousness is going to overcome evil? And of course we know very quickly that that is not the case, as the writer shows that Noah and his family begin to go away from God. But what's fascinating is that as soon as they come out of the ark in chapter 9, in chapter 9, they hear that same, same statement, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So again, the mission of God has not changed. And so what are we finding at this point in Scripture? We're finding at this point in Scripture that there are things that are coming against God and his mission, God's plan to bless the nations, God's plan to glorify himself through image bearers honoring him across planet earth, but his mission will continue, that nothing will thwart what he is doing. And so even though we see shortcomings in the family tree that comes before Noah, and we see shortcomings in the family tree of Noah, God's mission continues for his image bearers to fill the earth and bring glory to himself. Now, by this time in our story, we're about Genesis chapter 10, Genesis chapter 11, and we're introduced in Genesis chapter 10 to what is referred to as the table of nations, all those descendants of Noah and his family. And, and what we are seeing here, again, is God's universal concern for the nations, God's universal concern for the nations, and we quickly find out the effects of sin that have multiplied themselves or excuse me, the effects of sin that has multiplied itself exponentially in the problems physically and socially uh, throughout the world over these generations is, is being felt on the plain of Shinar. And that is, the people get sick of moving. They get sick of traveling, and they're, they're wanting to make a name for themselves, not God. They want to make a name for themselves, and so they try to build a ziggurat, a tower, a tower to heaven. We're going to we're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to go up to God. And that's where we see God coming in and confounding confounding their, their languages. And so again, we see even in their rebellion, God is still concerned for all the nations. And it is at this point in the story, in the biblical storyline, when it comes to the mission of God in Torah, that we're introduced to Abram. Because God is concerned from, for all of those descendants of Noah... God sends himself 
God sends himself, he's the apostolic God, to Abram. Now, we've got to understand, Abram is not a follower of Yahweh. He is not one who is seeking this God, this God of Adam, this God of of Eve. Uh, In fact, we find out later in the scriptures that he and his descendants living over in the area of Ur, the Chaldeans, they... They were, they were worshipers of other gods, but, but God takes the initiative, sending himself to connect and select and speak to and draw into relationship and bless and call to give an account of a great stewardship to this one known as Abram that we'll eventually call Abraham. Now, when we see God's interaction with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, for example, in verses 1 through 3, we find ourselves at a significant moment in the history of God's work in the world. Now, we're dating ourselves. We're dating the time, and I know different scholars have different time frames, but we're dating ourselves now around 2,000 years before the time of Christ. So in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, what we find is that in this significant moment of the history of God's work in the world, the means, the means to destroy the serpent and to restore all things is clarified with an introduction to Abraham. Now, we've got to understand, we don't see a full-orbed developmental component of God's mission like we get in the New Testament on this side of the cross and the resurrection. But at this point in the storyline, there is this progression, there's this development that, that the, the noatic covenant, if you will, is, is being built upon the, uh, the uh, statement of God. Some scholars call it an Edenic covenant, uh, whereby uh, the, back in Eden they were told to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. In other words, these covenants that we show up, or we see throughout the scriptures that show up, they build upon one another. And so when we come to Abraham, we begin to see something that we have not seen before. And that is part of the way that God is going to bless the nations is that he is going to get very, very particular. And he's going to get very, very specific. Now, I talked about this in the previous episodes. This is both an example of God's universality, not universalism, but universality, his desire to bless all nations, to see them in relationship with him, living out his kingdom ethic, glorifying him across planet Earth, and God's particularity of how he's going to do that. And the way he's going to do that is he's going to work through a very particular people. But there is a problem, and that is Abraham and his wife Sarah, they do not have children. In fact, we're initially introduced to Sarah as as a woman who was barren in Genesis chapter 11. And so we find out that this initial impression is more than just a stigma that she bore, but it actually serves to emphasize the miracle that God was about to do through his family. Again, the mission of God will not be thwarted by the effects of Genesis chapter 3. So Genesis chapter 12, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families, here it is, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God was going to bless the nations by electing 
a specific people to come from Abraham and Sarah. That was going to be the plan. Well, maybe I should speak in a different tense. That, that is the plan. God had, had determined that, decided all of that before the foundation of the world. Um, in fact, uh, when we get into Paul's writings over in the Pauline epistles, Paul's going to go back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, and he's going to claim that this is a reference to the gospel. But we'll get there, Lord willing. So what do we see at this point in God's mission in, in Torah? And that is God is the one who takes the initiative and he comes to Abraham. And he calls Abraham to himself. Abraham was, was elected, chosen, selected by God long before the foundation of the world, long before the fall. And what we're introduced to is this notion that election is both, don't miss this, it's both a privilege and a responsibility. It's a privilege and a responsibility. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. But here's the thing, in you, through you, all the nations shall be blessed. This particularism was the means by which God would bring the nations to faith, rather than Israel's election being a way to exclude the nations from God's blessings. Israel's election was the means of grace whereby the Gentiles would come to know him. And we're going to see that very quickly in in Torah. God's blessing of Israel defines the people in relationship to the other nations. Though election, excuse me, I should say it this way, through election, the nations were included in the promise. Israel eventually, through as Abraham's descendants increased, Israel would demonstrate her election through service. For as long as she remained faithful to the Lord, she was of the most value to the nations. And so when we get to Genesis 15, God brings Abraham outside and he says, look toward the heaven, number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And it says, he, that is Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So we're going to see, as we move farther into the book of Genesis, God is going to later reaffirm his covenant with Abraham in Genesis 22. He's going to continue by making promises, same promises to Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, and then Jacob. Jacob would also receive the reaffirmations and the promises of God in Genesis 28. And so, you know, as we fast forward, even even looking at Jacob's children, you're going to see that in Genesis chapter 49, we get this notion uh, that of additional information related to how God is going to bring about his mission in the world to bless the nations. Because before Jacob passes away, prior to, prior to his death, he makes this statement regarding Judah that there would be this one who would come from the tribe of Judah, and he would, he would be mighty against his enemies. The scepter of the ruler's staff would not depart from him. So, at the end of this podcast episode, I know that we have just entered into the examination of mission in Torah. And in the next episode, Lord willing, we will look at how God continues his mission as he not only 
is working through this guy of Abraham, but specifically how he's going to do it through a particular people, and that would be the descendants of Abraham, and and how he's going to carry out his mission through a particular place, and that is the tabernacle that would be a part of the nation of Israel. So as we kind of bring this together, we have to understand and see that many of these these topics, these themes, these examples that we just see in the first 15 chapters that are related to God and His nature and how He does what He does in the process of bringing about the redemption and restoration of all things, those things are going to be developed and expanded upon. Those concepts, those those, uh, matters will be expanded and developed upon as we move deeper into the first five books of the Old Testament, as we move into the prophetic literature in the Old Testament, and then into the writings, and then as we get into the New Testament literature as well. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpayne.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.